When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I don't know, I started running, I suppose I didn't stop and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Has there ever been a weekend of hurling like this before, uh, Brian? Like, I mean, we're looking at this. In my memory, it's never happened. In my memory, you would have a Munster semi-final and the following week a Leinster semi-final or a Munster final and then a Leinster final. You wouldn't even have finals on the same weekend. This is both provincial semi-finals on the same weekend. It has never happened before that I can ever think of. Yeah, maybe not all four games. You might have one weekend, as you said, of, of splitting the semi-finals. Or, you know, over the last number of years, we have seen the Munster final and the Leinster hurling final on the one day. Yeah, but you know, as you said, all four of them are on, and it is a pity, I suppose, that the two games are clashing on Saturday. You know, um, for the armchair fan at home, and we are able to see them all now through all the different mediums. It would have been nice if they maybe had a split up, maybe let both Leinster games on Saturday and both Munster games on Sunday. Yeah, maybe that's the case. And of course, they went for the Munster bias cheddar. Like, I mean, they've gone for Cork and Waterford over Kilkenny Dublin, which is outrageous on this Leinster uh, bias show. <laughs> um, yeah, no, look, first of all, it's something to really look forward to. Um, yeah, I think they could have done better on that. And, and it probably raises something else, you know, a lack of of cooperation sometimes, not all of the times, uh, between um, provincial councils and that, you know, each of them sort of run their own ship without maybe thinking a little bit more of that there's an awful lot of hurling followers in both provinces or in the four provinces, I should say, um, you know, who would actually, actually like to see them all live. Um, so I think a little bit more could have been done with that. Uh, but look, that's uh, as well as it's just a small complaint, really. We're all really looking forward to some fantastic uh, games uh, happening at the weekend yeah this is to the two of you this question lads about how did you find the games last week I have to I have to say I um, haven't to adjust 
myself psychologically to see a Munster Championship match in an empty stadium with no lure from the crowd, no atmosphere, no kind of, you know, that passion that kind of comes with that and the Leinster Championship um, as well. Maybe to a lesser extent, the shock in Croke Park because Dublin Leash wouldn't have had a huge crowd in there anyway. Did you find it the same, Brian? I'll start with you to kind of, Jesus, this is a bit strange. Yeah, and look, obviously walking in along Jones Road and it's empty, you know there's, it's something different anyway, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah, okay, there wouldn't have been a huge crowd, as you said, it probably wouldn't have been in Crow Park anyway. But I thought the weirdest time it really struck me was when both teams ran out into the field. You know, Leash were out first and, and the rolling came out and he was kind of half, he came at a good three-quarter pace and then he realised, oh wait, no, that, that, there's no place for that today at all. That kind of big sprint out the tunnel and right. kind of slowed down to a, a jog and... Dublin then Alan Nolan came pottering out as well ahead of all the Dublin guys so it was kind of weird it must have been a bit of a surreal moment for the players coming out to literally no fanfare not even a murmur the the stadium announcer did put on the the usual kind of uh, the background music that he plays but um, it was kind of lost on the moment Um, so yeah very very weird yeah how did you find the Munster one Cheddar you're going down to those games a long time now I know. I, I'd say the same. I concur with Brian on that. Um, I look, we, we probably knew about it beforehand, but maybe we didn't think enough about it beforehand. Yeah. You know, and you know, I, I suppose Brian is right. It's at the start that when the teams come out, that you know, you're you're just waiting for this, um, you know, massive wall and eyes that's just coming out, even as a supporter. Um, uh, so I think we just we, we we probably know about it now after last weekend. I know our expectations are different this weekend. Um, but I think when the game started, I mean, obviously in one of them, um, you know, I was in the edge of my seat as being a, a, a leash supporter. But actually on the second one, as a neutral, um, look, the game was a great was a it was a great game. Maybe not the sort of hammer and tongs type game that we would have seen in Munster over the years, but nonetheless, there was some great technical stuff. Uh, um, uh, on display from both teams, so you know, I'd say I was on the edge of the seat. But you know, you you are missing that the background and the support and the, and the, you know that just wall and eyes when a team is you know when the game's really in the melting pot and teams are having to go off one another. And I suppose that's what creates the excitement for supporters um, and viewers as well as players. And you're going to miss that. But I think the. The, the quality of the games and certainly the quality of the games this weekend, um, you know, you're just going to you're just going to sit back and admire that. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I think that's not going to be any different. Um, so, you know, we, we know it now after last weekend. I think we're going to be a little bit more prepared for this weekend as um, our armchair supporters, if that's what I call us. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, I mean, I used to be always on the very, very militant about the fact that the players are the most important people in the association. And I still believe that. But obviously, Cheddar has taught me that administrators are pretty important too. And now I realise how important the paying public are in, Brian, to actually create the whole atmosphere. Listen, it's a team effort. Yeah, look, I suppose that's why we all feel such a big part of the GEA. Um, whether you're an armchair supporter or, or administrator, everyone has a role to play. It, and I think that's what makes it um, such a beautiful organisation. I think why it grips the whole country and... Um, you know, you know, every walk of life can actually play its own part. You don't actually have to be out in the field um, playing. We're the lucky ones, I suppose, that have been able to play that over the last number of years. Um, but, you know, plenty of people find other ways to, to do their bit for the GEA. Um, and it brings a lot of enjoyment. And that's, uh, look, I suppose ultimately that's, it's the big reason the GEA is being played at the moment. I don't want to get too much into the, the politics of the whole situation. But, you know, I suppose the government have recognised that how much it seeps down into the 
into the general public and uh, you know it is a, an outlet for them that they have something to talk about and it'd be something particularly in these dark winter months and the fact that we're back in a lockdown that it, it provides that enjoyment and something to talk about from week to week yeah so you're, exactly. and you're pretty glad of it as well jesus sorry we'd be we were running out of all ireland nostalgia all irelands anyways brian <laughs> so like i mean thank god for it and and again i have to i said this on the football show i have to pay a huge amount of respect for any hurler that tugged out last Sunday, considering the protocols that are put in place, considering everything they have to go through just to tug out for their counties, that they, they're a credit to their counties. And I've no doubt, Cheddar, that a lot of these fellows, like they're, they're obviously highly motivated to play for their, their counties, but they're also motivated to give people something to look forward to within their counties and represent their people in difficult times and give them some sort of enjoyment. No, I think I think that's true, Wooly. Um, and it didn't. It's not necessarily the games. You know, we saw that community involvement and the importance of the GA in the community. You know, long before the championship has started here. You know, all last. You know, I said this in last week's show. I mean, all last May and June, there was an awful lot of GA clubs who were the first out visiting vulnerable people and all of that. And you know, that was even more difficult to do. Um, and there was a. You know, I, I go back to that point, Wooly. That yes, of course, you know, we're all fully supportive. Um, of players but there are other people here that contribute a huge amount to the GA in the background that you know get very little uh, reward or anything like that and I think that you know this has been made very very clear in the current lockdown and the previous lockdown and that the work that they do in you know in facilitating the games going ahead of that to a little bit of danger to themselves in doing that um, so I, I, I do agree I think it, it's I think and I think Brian is right I think politically um, our politicians recognize the importance of this in local communities and all of that um, and you know the 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 impact of uh, you know just a feel good factor and an energy in the community and that of these games going ahead. Yeah, exactly. Now Sunday's game, we want to start talking about the games, Les, because usually I don't put analysis into part one, but with some such four strong games that we need to talk about this weekend, I don't think we'll have time. Usually we go over. I saw Shamie Canlan during the week, Brian, saying that ideally this this Tipperary Limerick game is down in Parky Keeve and it's under lights because it's a, like a four o'clock start, something like that. Shamie says ideally you'd be playing it during the day. It's probably a little bit. More more difficult playing hurling under lights than it is football. I suppose the yellow slitter might help a little bit. I don't want to get into the yellow slitter because we've overdone it, but more how hard it is to play under lights. Yeah, it can be difficult because, look, obviously, the very obvious thing, the ball is a lot smaller um, and it can get caught in the lights at times. So it depends, obviously, on, on the quality of the lights. But, you know, when you're going to the big stadiums, Go Park, Parky, Cueve, Turles, those lights are absolutely excellent. They're the best in the business. Um, it will cause less problems, but there are occasions that it can, the ball can actually get caught in the lights. And I suppose there's, I know this isn't tangible, but there is a different feel to hurling under lights. Um, and it, it, it can it can lend itself kind of to a different atmosphere within the game. But look, yeah. Shamey's also hit the point, you know, you don't need the crowd. Um, it doesn't matter about the slitter. It doesn't matter about the lights. If he can't be motivated or, or any of the players can't be motivated for this Sunday, well, then they're in the wrong business. And he's been quite quite adamant about that. So he, he's 100% right. Um, they'll be relishing this now because, look, Limerick have had their number over the last number of years. And, you know, Tipperary being All-Ireland champions, I can only imagine Liam Sheedy driving at home now this week about being All-Ireland champions, no respect shown to them. Limerick are still favourites going into the game this weekend. Yeah, well, in a weird way, Cheddar, like, I mean, you'd imagine that Limerick should be the motivated ones taking on the, the All-Ireland champions and, you know, Tipperary, the All-Ireland champions would usually be favourites. Tipperary, I think, will be will be more highly motivated because they are All-Ireland champions that were hammered by Limerick last year. That won't sit well with them. 
Um, yeah, just a, for, just a comment on the lights, first of all. It, it, it's interesting that it's at four o'clock, Uli, um, because, you know, you said that sort of dusk at that stage, you know, and would it be better off to have it a little bit later on when it is completely dark um, and, um, you know, you're not sort of playing into a, a dusk sky rather than a dark sky as such? It was, you know, it'd be interesting to see what that is. Um, and, you know, clearly the Leinster game is on, is on roughly at the same time. Um, go back to Tip and Nimerick. Um, I think. There's a, there's a lot of sort of permutations about Sunday. You know, clearly Limerick have had a game um, to iron out some things, um, and that has also given people a chance to actually look at them. And um, and the other side of that is that you know sometimes tip just don't hit the ground running at the same pace, same game plan. And, you know, in the last couple of decades, that has happened a little bit. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of sort of variables like that. I think, uh, but I'd probably say on that latter point, and I think. Um, I think Brian has alluded to, you know, there's no better person than Liam Sheedy to get that sort of woolly stuff out of the way and focus on the, the critical things for success on Sunday. Um, so I do expect to see Tip hitting the ground running. Clearly Limerick will. Um, and, you know, you know, Tip people will sort of see it as a little bit of a stain in the last couple of years that Limerick have had their number to a large extent. Um, and, you know, Limerick don't fear Tip. You know, traditionally there would be might be other teams in Munster that might have feared Tip because of their, you know, their, their success and their reputation going way, way back. But Limerick, at any time, even with poor teams don't. Um, so this is real head-to-head stuff, I think, on Sunday. And there is a lot at stake here. There is, there is a huge amount of stake. Like, I mean, the, the, the point Shedder makes about the, the Limerick having a game last weekend, Brian, there is nobody that can deny this is a huge advantage to Limerick. Oh, 100%. Uh, there, you've hit the nail completely on the head there. Limerick, in fairness to them, they grew into that game. Uh, Claire caused them a lot of problems. Well, particularly Tony Kelly caused them a lot of problems, obviously, and you know, the halftime whistle, when they came out in the second half, five points in the first four minutes, I think they yeah. got in. It just, they just turned the screw and they just were relentless from there to the finish. But, you know, it, it will help them. They've probably found out little t- little bits and bobs about their team as well. You know, like the Barry Nash was under, under pressure at cornerback, but, you know, he maybe grew into the game, but maybe that came back to the fact that their half forward line started to drop back a little bit deeper and they, they nullified that space maybe that was there for Tony Kelly in that second half and obviously Tony moved out to the half forward line as well so um, so they'll probably be on high alert from that perspective if ever there is a, a forward line that's capable of exploiting the problems in the Limerick if we call them problems in the Limerick um, defence it is a Tipperary team you know we like they have without doubt the best forward line in, in the country in terms of raw talent in terms of their skill Um the, the, their movement, you know, their execution and what they're doing, and they're able to mix it when they need to as well. So, you know, that's I suppose what lends itself into a, a really intriguing battle this Sunday. Well, I think it's a good point to bring up about the Tipperary's forwards movement. Now we know that um, Jason Ford is versatile, Shami Callanan is versatile, John McGrath is versatile, Bubbles is versatile, and these are all brilliant players. And we saw how Tony Kelly moving around positions last week caused Limerick all sorts of problems, Cheddar, because Limerick didn't decide to mark to follow Tony Kelly. Mm-hmm. Defi- decided to keep their six backs hurling the way they were hurling and whoever Tony Kelly comes in on comes in on and I think I might be wrong he got most of his joy off Declan Hannon when he was in around the centre half forward position uh, I think this is what's really intriguing about this game I think it's a massive game between two great coaches two great thinkers in the game Paul Kinnerk on one side and Eamon O'Shea on the other side um, and I think um, it's interesting the two philosophies of both um, uh, and, and particularly with this game uh, because I think 
Tip will have seen that Limerick didn't man-mark Tony Kelly at any stage, really. That they, and in other words, they didn't sacrifice their game plan to do yeah. that. They had to do it to do that. Um, and but but bear in mind that Tip have plenty of players in the same caliber of Tony Kelly. You know, if you're looking at Bubbles, John and John, uh, uh, John McGrath, all of those players will hurt you badly if you give them any sort of space at all. Um, so I think that's going to that's going to be an interesting thing. You know, will will Tip have noticed this that uh, that Limerick, you know, haven't really that Limerick didn't go man to man or change their game plan in any great way to actually to, to neuter Tony Kelly and will they try and do something similar and just gain a foothold on it? But I think the other thing that would be really interesting, clearly, you know, Brian has set out that when Limerick went out in the field in the second half, they really grabbed the game at a scruff of the neck. But how did they do it? You know, clearly their half forward line and it was the three half hours, it wasn't just the two wing forwards, worked their way back to field much more than earlier on and were much more dominant in the middle of the field, either winning possession or taking possession off their back line and then getting their game plan going. So, you know, uh, what are Tip going to do? Uh, you know, will they go, will they send out their half back line after them and trust their corner backs and their full back line to have pace to be able to manage quick Limerick forwards inside? Um, you know, bearing in mind, looking back at Tip last year, they did change their full back line and took to great effect at one stage. Um, and they would have also seen that Kenny went toe to toe with Limerick players in the All Ireland semi final last year. And I know Limerick missed a lot of scores, but still Kenny got the better of them. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. And that wouldn't normally be maybe Eamon's philosophy are looking on, on, on hurling, you know, in terms of structurally setting that up, um, I think Eamon favours more, um, you know, giving the players the tools to do the job rather than structurally resetting like that. So I, I'm really interest, in, intrigued in looking at how Tip will set up um, uh, next weekend and how, they'll, and how they'll actually try and counter some of the strong points from Limerick. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The big ha- the half-forward line is the big, huge one. Will the half-back line follow them or not? Here's my theory on it, Brian. Tell me I'm wrong or tell me that I'm right, that Tipperary simply have to follow them because Kilkenny didn't follow them. But what Kilkenny have that Tipperary probably don't have in their forwards is an incredible appetite for work. And Kilkenny all dropped the line and, you know, swarmed that middle kind of third and worked like Kilkenny probably work in the forwards harder than any other team in the country Tip don't have that so if if if, if the Tip half back line let them off I can't see Tipperary forwards all dropping back and swarming that area I don't think that's their game anyways Yeah I, I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't say Tip don't have that in their game I think they prefer hurling on top of the ground. They love the the silky skills and the throwing the ball around and and scoring. Obviously, that's their go to. But I think that has ultimately been the shift in 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 the team since Sheedy has come back. In the big games, he looks for massive work rate, huge, and that's exactly what he gets out of them in in, in those big games. And that's how they were able to meet fire with fire against um, Kilkenny and All Ireland. The same with Wexford. You know, you remember they were a man down and they were five points down in that All Ireland semi final. How else did they do it? They didn't. They didn't suddenly start banging in goals or, or fantastic points. It was sheer work rate. So I think they definitely have that um, in their armory, and I think. I think it'd be madness to allow your half backline to go beyond the sixty-five. I don't. I just don't think. I, I think that'd be crazy. I think there there is an element of them, but there's no way you could allow your two half backs to go off down the field and and leave massive holes of space inside for that Limerick full forward line. So could you, no, could I, you I, don't, start, I don't think they'll go fully. Could you send two of them after them and at least leave one maybe mind in the house? Um. Yeah. Look, I, I still think it's a big risk, and I think they go against everything that. Um, Tipperary have tried to do over the last number of years. You know their their half back line 
has tended to be big, strong, physical hurlers. You're talking about Potty Marr, maybe Seamus Kennedy depends um, whether he's fit or not at the moment. You know, obviously Rona Marr's moved back into full back line. So again, no, no dissimilar to their forward line. They have a lot of options and they, yeah. they can move players around as they see fit. But um, I, I can't see them sending off two or three players down down the other end of the field. I just think that'd be madness. Right. You, like, I mean, one thing that that Limerick half forward line has, Cheddar, is that size. Like, they're monsters. Like, I mean, Garod Hegarty he looks like he's a minor playing under 14. Kyle Hayes is a monster. Tom Morrissey is a big, big man as well. Now, Tip have some big men in their half uh, back line as well. And there's talk, Liam Shady was talking during the week, that John Maher, the Lockmore Castellani centre halfback, who's a very big man, he was with the footballers. He could be in the mix for starting as well. Tipperary have some match-offs for them. The whole question is whether they want to follow them around or not. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Brian. I think um, I'd be very, very surprised, first of all, if the three half-back line, half-backs followed up the field and left that amount of space behind them. Um and I think what you will see, you know, is, um, you know, maybe a different type of player at 10 and 12. You know, Tip have used Dan McCormack in this area in the past. And to have that type of player who is seriously, seriously competitive and combative in those type of play on that type of game is all you really need to do is get that working for 15 minutes um, and just stop uh, Limerick's game plan from working. Um, but, but you do need your own, you do need the use of the ball yourself then very, very well. Um, so, you know, Tip then might look at maybe not having that big, strong halfback. They may, they may actually look at, you know, re- changing their team around to have scorers from distance themselves yeah. and hurt. Limerick at actually what Limerick is good at. Um, so I, I think it'll be really, really interesting. Look, you could do that. You could leave your five and seven, go up the field a little bit further than you normally would and that your six, your six drops. Um, but it's risky doing that because you, you, your five and seven could very well be in no man's land. The ability of Limerick to ping the pass accurately from anywhere up to 60, 70 metres is very good. All top teams now are, are, are able to do that. So your man could be marooned um, out past the 65, you know, with, uh, he might look great out there, but he, he's, he's ineffectual. Um, and, you know, so it, it, it will need a lot of thinking, I think, from Tip. And they're used to the ball after that. Clearly, they're going to have spare men themselves in the half-back line. So, you know, how good are they at hurting Limerick in return? And, you know, and we've seen in the two games, um, you know, the Dublin score 31 points, Limerick score 36 points. This is a little bit of what's happening. You know, positions aren't as competitive anymore one-on-one. So players are, are making really, really good space and using it from distance that maybe in, in former years they didn't. Tip also have that ability to have some players to score from anywhere, as approved in the last couple of years. And I think it's the it's the setup of Tip that you know clearly Limerick are going to play the way they have played for the last couple of years. I can't see a huge amount of change in what they're going to do, and it has been a very effective for them. And you could say that they were unfortunate in the semi final last year. They, they missed some scores, including towards the end of the game, to level it. But they missed some scores that they normally wouldn't. They were very very accurate last Sunday, and that was a different in them, I think, than there was in the All Ireland. Uh, um, semi-final last year but you know Tipper All-Ireland champions I think they will have serious pride in themselves and you know Liam there's no better person than Liam to drive that pride through Tip about coming out against a team that you know even though they're All-Ireland champions Limerick are actually favourites against them you know how would you feel yeah. going out in the Tip person, you certainly will have fight in the body. And there's been times in the past that I just thought that Tip just didn't bring enough fight to the fight in games like this. I don't think that to be the case on Sunday. Um, and I, I'd say one other little point. Um, you know, we're talking up Limerick a good bit, and you know, I've talked them up very, very strongly in the past. But when you look at the performance last Sunday, like Claire were missing Colin Galvin, 
uh, Podge, uh, John Connellan, Peter Duggan, and yeah. was a young party. Was he? I think he came on. He didn't start. Like that's a that's a serious hit for any team to take, and they were pretty well in the game for you know good good pieces of it. Um, so I, I, I'm. I'm and um, I just think that if Tip come, um, that if, you know, if they're not sluggish coming to the game, and I don't think they will, um, um, and you know, I just think that they'll figure out the strong points of Limerick, be able to neuter that, but at the same time, be able to play their own game to, to get the scores on the board. Yeah, I think that like I, I, it must be an incredible position to be in in a team like Limerick to to see Tony Kelly scoring twelve points and a half and not feel. You know, in any way insecure, Brian, that, okay, we better change something here to go, no, hang on a second. If we stick to what we're good at, we're going to come out on top. And that's what they did. Like, they scored 36 points, which, like, Jesus, at what point do you say what player were doing by letting that half forward line off? That is wrong. Like, the half forward line scored, what, five, three, and four, 12 points. And, and Kyle Hayes missed three or maybe two or three that he could have. You're looking at nearly 15 points from a half forward line. Jesus, if Tipperary go out and, and let them off, and, you know, like Claire, you'd be saying, like, this is madness. Yeah, but it, it's no, no dissimilar to what Limerick do and their half back line sits. And look, that's exactly what they did. And I saw this firsthand probably, and it's a lot easier to see it when you're actually actual games. I saw it last year against Waterford down in Walsh Park. You know, Waterford withdrew two of their inside line. They only left Morris Shannon on his own on the edge of the square. But Limerick still played their six backs in the six positions. Um, so they they didn't they didn't get carried away with what Waterford were doing. They were saying, "Look, if you're good enough, you're going to have to shoot from distance." Yeah, yeah but what they do is, is that, the, Waterford don't have yeah. a half forward line like like Limerick. Yeah, but I think I think I understand that. But I think Tip, tip do is it, it might, what the point I'm trying to get is. Limerick put the onus on their half forward line to drop out the field along with their midfield and nullify that space in the middle middle area, in the middle third, as we'll say. And I think that's exactly what Tip are going to have to do this weekend. And I think that's exactly what they will do. Um, you know, Dan McCormick, as you said, depends where Noel McGraw will play. It depends where, um, if Bonner Maher is going to be actually back playing. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, you have Breen in there as well. So, like, they do have, you know, Niall Maher is in there for a different type of role also. So, like, they do have players that are more than capable of doing it. And as I said, and I'll, I'll repeat that, I think Liam Sheedy is, is is really tuned into that. He he expects his players to play with that high intensity all the time and play with their heart in their sleeve. And I think that's exactly what he'll be expecting those players to do. And that's what allows, um, you know, their half-back line to sit back. And it, it it's a lot of, it's a lot of um, maybe onus on that half-forward line to do that, that selfless work. But without it, they can't create those opportunities for maybe the danger men inside to do the business. Yeah, well, I suppose that's the thing. And I go off this point, but I find it really interesting what the solution to this is. So say the Tipperary half-forward line sacrificed their game when Limerick have the ball and pick up the three Limerick half-forwards cheddar. Now you have Dermot Burns and you have Declan Hannon free. Now these lads love a shot at goals. Like, I mean, you you nearly have to do then what Kilkenny did and move your full-forward line out on them. You know, and, and and completely work. I don't think Tipperary will do that because you're not going to be wasting Callanan and John McGrandy's lads running around half forward line. No, I think they will do that. Um, if you look at what Jamie Callanan did in Limerick over the last couple of years, his ability to track back and get into tackle way back the field wasn't what you'd normally see out of Jamie. Yeah. And you, you, you have to do that. Now, that is the real 
nub of the issue here for Tip. Do they have that type of player inside? Um, you know, you know, you might question. And I think these are these are sort of lazy comments, really, um, from a lot of people. You know, uh, will Bubbles work back to field if he's playing uh, in that type of role? Uh, um, you know, they're the real questions for Tip. But I think there's one other little aspect about Limerick. Uh, you know, clearly they have three gigantic men as half forwards who position themselves well up the field as as a, t- to be available for outlet ball from their backs. Yeah. But Next piece is crucial to them. Their ability to take that ball and then make 30, 40 metres really quickly um, and bring the ball into you into your defence. That's the piece that's sort of crucial to them. Um, and, you know, they, they have the ability to turn and shoot, but they can also carry that ball at pace. And Garod Hegarty is six foot four or five and Hayes and, uh, and that and Morrissey running at you with the physique that they have is going to soak you into the tackle anyway. Um, and, you know, so they will create problems. And I think the ability of Tipperary I think particularly the tackling of the Tipperary forwards will be really, really uh, crucial to tip winning back possession and hurting Limerick. Because a lot of the ball that the three buys get is actually offloads from their half-back line. Yeah, coming and out. they always get it, Cheddar. They always get it when they drop. Well, look, sir, look, they've rehearsed it a million times. This is Paul Kinnerk's philosophy on hurling um, uh, coming really true and, you know, obviously being very, very effective. And if you if you were tacklers, in the, on particular in the half-forward line and the full-forward line, the, the, the tackling range of the Tipperary full-forward line has got to be from the end line right back out the midfield. Yeah. You can't say anymore, I'm playing my patch as a tackler. You, you can't because, you know, you're not contributing to the team tackling game. And I, I think their ability to stop Limerick uh, full back line and half back line, to get the heads up to pick the pass will be, even that type of pressure is sufficient. If you can change the player's thought process of what he wanted to do, it's probably a bloody good tackle on Sunday. And, you know, I, I, I think Tip will probably focus on, on a lot on that. But I keep saying the point, if you got that part right, it's not good enough because when you turn over the ball, you've now got to be able to be creative on the other side and be able to score the point. Yeah, and yeah, you have to have players in positions it's not an easy one well one matchup I would say that I would uh, if I was Liam Sheedy I'd say to Barry Heffernan you're on Garod Hegarty and I don't care about holding any half back line you follow him all day long and you get stuck into that because as far as I can say Garod Hegarty is is just he's on another planet Brian yeah no I, I appreciate that like so Keane Lynch was very quiet the last day so maybe that was David McInerney man marking him and nullified his threat in, in, in the game again it's very hard to tell on the television it, it's yeah. not easy to tell if you were there but it, it looked that way from, from looking at it you know you're right Garrod Hegarty is probably one of the most underrated hurlers out there at the moment I, I know there's a lot of maybe Colin Minch has written about him after last weekend but over the last number of years he's been integral part of that Limerick setup and the way that they play um, you know Kyle Hayes probably hit the headlights in, in that All-Ireland two years ago but Garrod Hegarty he's, his consistency um, of, at what he does remember he used to play a, a good bit in, in the half back line as well so he, he's able to hurl no matter where he plays um, and he's that outlet as you said um, and he can he can mix it up. He can he can not only just do the the hard work, but he can carry ball and he can shoot. So you're right. Barry Heffernan is probably the one man that, that could actually pick him up. Um, to, remember too, though Tipperary have tended to put Brendan Maher and some of the big players. Um, whether they'd see him oh, physically yeah. strong enough to do that either. They, they played him on Galand. Yeah, they played him on Galand the last time Brendan Maher, didn't they? Yeah, and I, I, look, I think that's something to learn from this time. You know, so you know, like the. The, the Munster final went really wrong for them, but I remember it was a shot at the dark for, for Tipperary because 
you know, did, did nothing really to lose, bar obviously the final, but they knew they weren't now the championship. It was all about winning the All-Ireland for Liam Sheedy last year. So they probably learned a good bit about their setup against Limerick from that game. Yeah, funny enough, Cheddar, uh, there was people asking Liam Sheedy about Tipperary not being able to do back-to-back All-Irelands. And he said, what are you talking about? I've done back-to-back. 2010, I walked away and then I came back last year and won it again. Yeah, um, well, look, he was he was he was true. That was the truth of what he said. Um, it was a, it was a, I suppose a good way to fend off that type of question. Yeah, he um, was joking in his defence. Of course, he was. But uh, but I, I have no doubt that Tip, you know, have talked this through. Um, and you know, the likes of Party and Shami and and some of these, you know, they're all after hitting top. Um, and sometimes players at that stage, you know, even want to raise the, the bar further and, and they certainly would be like to be recognised in Tipperary as a team that, that had back-to-back All-Irelands. You know, they're, they're, they've had a lot of All-Irelands. They've had some teams in the past that have done this um, and for them to be, I suppose, spoken about. And there'll be, be serious pride in these players and, you know, they will want to be seen to be a tip team that did back-to-back and years are sort of running out for them a little bit to do that. Um, so I do expect that tip will hit the ground running on, on Sunday with you know all guns blazing and I think if they do um, look it's a heaven vote for them uh, to, to do that uh, but it's going to be so close that you know it's, it's so difficult to call it yeah well we get predictions here considering it's so difficult to call Brian I'll start with you kind of since Sunday I was thinking Limerick but the more I've thought about it and we've kind of gone along I'm actually kind of maybe changing my mind towards Tipperary for the simple reason that they're all Ireland champions they know exactly what they're facing and uh, look you probably said it at the top of the show like it, it's it's amazing that all Ireland champions are actually the, the underdogs going into this game um, so I think it's really set up for them they've, they've top class hurlers and look we're, we're talking about all these players um, you know, the tried and tested over the last number of years. You have to bear in mind the influence that their benches had off, um, you know, in the games, particularly the, the knockout games last year. You know, you're talking Jake Morris coming in, you're talking Willie Connors, Paddy Cadell, Mark Kyo. All these guys have had a huge influence. They've all come on and scored in, in the big games. So, you know, they've, they've a lot of options. They've a lot of options off the bench. Um, and I do believe they will start with the tried and tested. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think they, they have a huge amount. And even though they won't be out of the championship, I think this is one that they'll really, really relish um, trying to win. Okay. So Tipperary, Cheddar, what about you? No, I, I'd agree. I mean, I love what Limerick do. I love their, I love their uh, tactical approach to hurling and the, the setup and all of that. Um, and and I've, been, I've been a little bit concerned um, last Sunday. Now, I suppose this, there's, there's two parts to this concern, really. It took Limerick 30 minutes to really hit the ground running. But if it takes tip to that same 30 minutes, because this is their first game yeah. uh, this weekend, well, then Limerick may very well have grabbed the game at a scruff of the neck at that stage. Uh, but I, I just think that um, you know, tip know what's at stake here. There's some senior players in the tip team that know what's at stake. And you, you mentioned one of Mary Ron, Brendan Maher. They know what's at stake in terms of your standing of a tip hurler and tip in tip for the rest of your life. And I just think that they will bring an edge to this. And I also think that in a perverse way, uh, the way Limerick hurled last weekend, and that has been their style of hurling. I think tip will learn from that. And I won't be surprised if they have a, a sort of a counter plan to neutral Limerick while at the same time playing to their own strength. Are you going for Tipperary as well? I will go for Tip, yes. Ah, lads, I think you're both off your heads. You give Tipperary a five. <laughs> if you give Tipperary a five-point start, they're not going to beat Limerick at the weekend. And I'm going to pull the both of you up next week, next Thursday, when you're both wrong on this one. So listen, uh, we'll leave it there. We'll come back and we'll look at the other games.
Yeah, we I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So um, we had a couple of filly donkeys. Uh, so I brought them down, and so we did we actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys so there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. They call it. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, never. And so, um, yeah, you can actually. One time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? but now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in Eden Palace. Lads, we'll run through these last three games here. Um, we're going to start with Kenny Dublin. The reason for that is because we've at least we've seen Dublin. The other games are a little bit more difficult to preview um, because we haven't seen the the teams since the league, but way back in March. Um, we, the, the lads made a point, um, Cheddar, on the show on Monday. Michael Carton did and JJ, and they were had they had concerns around the Dublin half back line, especially playing against. Uh, Kilkenny, they said they're too small. Michael was thinking maybe Liam Rush would be a good job um, uh, at number six, maybe against Kilkenny, because you have three fellas um, in the half back line for Dublin, and they probably you're you're looking at Gray uh, Callahan, who normally plays in the corner, and Burke, who plays as a sweeper, not the biggest man. He was thinking that there could be a weakness there against Kilkenny. Um, I know a better team than Kenny to exploit that. Um, and I, I would start to agree with that, but I, I think um, you know you made. I think the, the game will be different. Um, you know, Leash uh, set up. Um, you know, with maybe five forwards. So you know, will Dublin actually have? Um, will they? Will they go with a sweeper against the Kenny themselves? Um, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, I would be a little bit concerned about that. Um, you know. I suppose just a general comment on it. Um, look, Leeds were in touching distance of Dublin after what is it, forty-five minutes or whatever it is, without playing particularly well, and and uh, you know with a number of players that weren't there from last year, um, and maybe with you know, I'd say that will be really important to Dublin because the the platform off their half back, you know that, that they did launch up a lot of ball up to their forwards, and and uh, you know Dublin just. At, at a minute, you know, you're not. There's no point in giving that type of a ball to Donald Burke or to, to some of these players. Uh, they're very, very good if you can pick the pass, put the ball in space, and that. But if you don't have that um, um, platform on the half back line, well, then it's going to be difficult to do that. And I mean, th- here's a half back line that's probably going to be playing on something like you know John Donnelly, T.J. Reid, uh, maybe Walter Walsh, yeah. uh, something like that. You know, so so you're, 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 they're going to be under such pressure themselves, are they going to have the ability to then be able to work the right type of ball up the field when they're in possession themselves? Um, so it would be a concern for Dublin, yeah. I think I think Matty would have been, even though you know it was a, it was a good win, they were clearly they clearly won the game and clearly deserved to win the game and you know put some put a decent score on the board and that. But I think it, there, there are a number of things in the way Dublin played uh, last weekend that would be of concern to them. Right, and what do you think, Brian? Where, where do you see that Dublin performance uh, troubling a Kilkenny? be very hard to see a trouble them for 70 minutes being honest like look again I was, I was down in Nolan Park last year when they played um, against Kilkenny and they got their matchups right for for long periods of the game they, they troubled Kilkenny and it was a long time since we saw maybe that Nolan Park um, 
crowd as animated probably had to go back to 2013 when they played Tipperary in that do or die game but like their, their half back line last year was Chris Crummy, Sean Moore, and Shane Barrett yeah three big strong physical men now they've obviously um, redeployed Sean Moore and Chris Crummy further up the field Chris Crummy's doing a good job at centre forward now when he was playing half back he always tended to get up the field and score a couple of points anyway so maybe you know they're happier with him up there He's he scored three points last day but it was his work rate and his turnover of ball and offloading um, and the vast majority of the time he, he was looking to, to find players in good positions so he's definitely offering something at centre forward I didn't think Sean Moore offered enough at midfield being honest um, I thought the game largely bypassed him and I think he's too good a hurler and too too, too important a hurler to Dublin to to be playing mid of the field and, and again bypassing them. Um, I, you know, it, it, I think Cheddar's right. Will will they actually set up with a sweeper? Because you know, Matty Kenny has tended to be quite tactical um, in his setups. Yeah, they usually do against Kilkenny, Brian. Do they? Well, they didn't last year, as I said, you know, because oh. they just they just went with their matchups, and you know, it it did work. Like um, Owen O'Donnell had a brilliant. Um, brilliant kind of tussle with Colin Fennelly. It was it was an absolute excellent tussle. It was worth the the, the fair to to go in alone, um, but only for the brilliance maybe of TJ Reid setting up Fennelly for for a late goal that we saw the difference in the two teams. Um, so like it, it'll be interesting. I do I do agree with the boys' take on that halfback line. It, it's an interesting one. I'd probably like to see Sean Moore move back into centre back, um, and. It, or, or else go go maybe if they're going to play Connor Burke in the sweeper role. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd rather see Sean Moore say, say that again, Sean Moore in centre back, and maybe Derek Gray in, in right half back. And I think they'd have a strong, a lot stronger backline. Obviously, they're Robin Peter to pay Paul in that particular case because their their forward line wouldn't be as strong. But they'd have to get more out of their full forward line as well. I know Donald Burke was absolutely excellent, and he was the best forward on show. Yeah, one more from play. Um, that that was you know it was great shooting. His confidence was up early, but. You know, I just felt it didn't get enough out of the, out of the other two in the full forward line. Now, in fairness, Eamon, Eamon Dillon, he came on, Trollier came on and got a brilliant goal. He got a good point as well. So it'll be interesting to see will they actually start him or will they lead him to come in again. Another side point was the fact that Conal Keeney, Paul Ryan, David Tracy, none of the three of them were even on the 26 last week. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a strange one not having them involved. I made the same point, Cheddar, about the full forward line that they didn't get enough out of Hayes or Kyo. And then uh, Michael Carton was saying, your man Kyo, and I were making the point that Kyo is a little live wire, but Michael says that he never stops running. He's constantly over and back, over and back, running, 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 and tires his man out. And then Eamon Dillon comes on and finishes him off. Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of that in it, but I don't think that that would be enough, um, you know, at the further on you go in this championship. Um, and I think it goes back to a different issue. Um, your your um, connection of your defence with your forwards and your use of the ball in that. Um, and, you know, the, the likes of that movement inside would be lethal if you were able to put the ball, if you were able to open up the space and then use that pace to actually. And, and Hayes is very good at that as well, even though he's a tall player. I, I, I've seen him a couple of times in the last couple of years, um, and I think he's got great potential. Maybe he hasn't delivered on it yet. Um, but I, I, I think I, I think they really do need to look at their platform of, of, of their game. You know, so, so when we win possession, where is the real killer ball going to go to? And, you know, what's happening inside? What's the mobility movement inside to open up the space and drag the defence around the place? And you will definitely have to do that um, against Kenny. You know, if they're playing, if they're playing, 
uh, Delaney and 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 uh, you know some of these players, Wallace and some of these players. You know, Kenny backline will be a very very tough tackling, and you mightn't be allowed to run too far anyway. To be honest with you, um, so your use of the ball and that is going to be hugely hugely important. And I just didn't feel that all aspects of that were really click with Dublin last weekend. Um, look, as I say, clearly they were the better team, deserved to win the match. Uh, but there was, you know, I, I, I'd imagine that Kenny will will cause him a lot of problems. Yeah, I'm the same as that, Brian. Like, I mean, you, you well, you've made the point already. We'll probably get predictions. Um, like, I can't see that Dublin team troubling based on that performance. Even looking at the team, there's, there's, you're not too scared looking at that Dublin team, are you? No, you're not. And like, look. As I said, I've named three really experienced players and they're not on the panel. Now, maybe obviously there's Matty Kenny looking at this and he sees maybe they're a little bit off the pace. He's gone with a bit of youth and they've only eight players from from the team that played against Leash in the Moor Park um, played last Saturday night or started last Saturday night. So that was an, an interesting statistic. So there's been a, a bit of an overhaul in terms of their, their starting 15. Just one thing about their forwards. I find that they... They tend to overplay the ball an awful lot because you know they kind of could do with the like against Leash. I know Leash were playing a sweeper, but you know their movement was great in the full forward line. They were finding them with the ball maybe on the outside, but every time they won it, they they almost give a second chance to the Leash backs, the cornerbacks, or, or or maybe the sweeper to get in a challenge and turn them over because they look dangerous inside, but they didn't actually um, really put them to the sword. And I find like you know if you give Kilkenny a chance. Um, to to win the ball back, they're going to do that all day long. So yeah, I just think their their forward line probably needs to, you know, when if they do win possession, it um you know maybe take their opportunities, take simple sco- point scoring opportunities a little bit easier. Now the only thing I will say is maybe they were all hell bent on going for goals against Leash, um, because you did notice that in the second half you could. That's one thing about no crowd being there. You could hear the Dublin management team, um, you know, getting the message across to the players to, to go for goal, maybe when they were 30, 40 metres out to try and work a goal situation. Um, so maybe maybe that was a part of, of the style of play that they had against or against um, Leash. And maybe they'll be a, a lot more open to taking their points against Kilkenny. Um, you know, so look, very, very hard. And, and look, we don't know what, what Kilkenny team are, are lining out, but I suppose we still know the mainstay of what they have. They've TJ Reid, Colin Fenley, you know, Park Walsh. There, there's some obviously top, top class hurlers there. And you would think that they will have more than enough for this Dublin team. Yeah. Kilkenny for you, Cheddar? Uh, yeah, no, I think so. But, but I think that, that'll be really interesting. Kilkenny is going to be really interesting as well to see the team that they have that are going to put out. Um, you know, look, they will always, always have a high um, number of real quality players, um, you know, that has been like that for, for decades um, and it hasn't changed now. But I, I think it'll be interesting to see will, uh, you know, Kilkenny go with a more attack uh, minded type team or type player, you know, a more front foot player. Um, and look, if you're looking at it, the defence is probably going to show in that a little bit. Um, you know, is that going to be, um, you know, the likes of Darren Mullins going to have to come in here somewhere. Um, um, you know, that type of player that can really, really go quickly far with the ball versus, you know, really, really tough tackling team in, in terms of, of you know, the likes of Tommy Walsh and, and Wallace and Delaney from Comer. They're, they're tough players. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, even the likes of Richie Reid, who was centre-back for Shamrocks yeah. uh, this was very very impressive, very very good front foot hurler. You know, Hinkle Cox and Kilkenny that that he might be actually playing midfield, but it's that type of player I'm I'm thinking of. You know that Darren Mullen, uh, Richie. Uh, Richie Reid type player and equally I think you're probably going to have a little bit more of a settled corner forward I think Owen Cody may start for Kilkenny um, was very very impressive with, with, with 
uh, with Shamrock over the last couple of years. Um, and you know, you have a lot of players there that can that can hurt you very very quickly, and they've got a tight. Uh, no nonsense defense. Um, if that's what they put out, um, so it'll be interesting to actually see, you know, in, in terms of the way Kenny play. But I, I just would have expected, you know, a little bit more um, meta to Dublin. I think Matty is right. I think he had to change it up, Brian, and he had to, you know, there's no point. You've got to go back. You've got to go get real pace in your forward line and in your team. I think he had to do that. It's just getting the part right on the field, I suppose, which is the, the which is tricky. But equally, getting the game plan that suits that team best. And I, I just don't think he's there yet. And I think there's no better team than Kenny to find that out for you. Yeah. Now, Brian, just to throw it over to you, like Matty Kenny's in his third year with Dublin. Surely we're, we should be seeing what his game plan is with Dublin at this at this stage. Or is his yeah. second or third year? Yeah. Um, I think it's his second year, being honest. Second year. Um, yeah, so like, yeah. look, I think Cheddar's hit the nail in the head. He, he, he's realised that what he had last year was probably a lot of experience um, and, and maybe he feels that those players are coming towards the end of their careers and he's looking for a little bit of youth. Maybe he was trying to rule the the you know, the, the roost over the, the panel um, against Leash. He probably expected them to get over over the line against that Leash team last weekend and you know there is talks now of Keeney coming back into the into the four again. But like Colin Keeney's thirty seven, he's thirty eight, I think, um, this year. So like that's a that's a like it's a big age and to keep going back to him, it's not necessarily good for Dublin Hurling either. Look, he's a, a brilliant warrior and all that, but you know it's 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 a big ask to keep going back there. So yeah, look, I, I think he he's realised he had problems in terms of trying to get to the next level, but in order to do that, you would need it to build that over the full league, obviously, um, and maybe that Leinster championship where he got to play three, or, you know, he got to play his four games. Whereas this is obviously straight knockout championship. They've turned over leash. They've probably done the the most important thing from in terms of their year. Um, it's a shot at nothing against Kilkenny, and I suppose how else will you actually build these players to try and get to the next level but it'd be very hard to see them making any inroads in the championship this year yeah probably will so you're both going for Kilkenny there Maddie Kenny is in his second year there yeah so I got that wrong he's a three-year term um I'll try and wriggle out of it by saying that's what uh that's what I was thinking about Galway Wexford lads in Croke Park Shane O'Neill said um during the week as I said we saw an awful lot of club matches um so we're seeing who's in club form and guys have brought the club form that they had into training the last couple of weeks and like I mean I suppose you're looking at Galway earlier on in the league Connor Cooney's had a good club season his form might be improving to have Joe Canning back um who probably would have would have been out the interesting thing about Galway from earlier on in the league Cheddar is that they were playing McInerney at fullback they were playing Shane Cooney at uh, centre back Fintan Burke out at wing back now Fintan Burke has been outstanding for St Thomas's at full back uh Burke has to come back he's been tried out playing for his club in the county semi-final at full forward. So, you know, Shane O'Neill definitely has options here. Um, yes, he has. Um, look, he's a couple of downsides as well. You know, the, the, does he really know his team? And had he had, you know, this has been a bit, a bit of a downside for new managers coming in at boys. Just didn't get a, a, a good run on the year to find out, you know, in terms of players and what positions they can play and and you know what styles they can play within the game plan that you want to try and implement and so on, and so on. Uh, but no more than Kenny. Um, you know, Galway have a have a as Brian will know have, a, have an awful lot of real quality players to be able to draw on there, and some good young players coming through as well. Um, so I, I think 
just getting the parts right on the field. And bear in mind, you know, they've been in All-Irelands recently and won All-Irelands recently. You know, it doesn't need, need that huge amount of change. It's more tweaked than change, I think, here. Um, and, you know, I, I do expect them to hit the ground running on, uh, running on Sunday. Uh, the, the difficulty is, I suppose, just the recent preparation of the teams and, you know, the ability to get your team in the field and play some challenge matches. I know it's the same for a lot of teams, but I do know that Wexford Championship was over, you know, probably it was probably over earlier than any other team. I do get the point that David makes the point very clearly here that a lot of his panel were still playing football. Um, but nonetheless, I think he probably had, has a better chance and he's a steady team, knows exactly where, you know, what he's going to get bring to the field here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's I think that's important uh, for Sunday. Would you go along with that, uh, Brian? We know what we'll get from Wexford. Hard to identify what Galway's style really is under Michal Donoghue. We kind of knew they were a big, huge, physically imposing team. Johnny Glynn full forward, Joe Cooney on the wing, ball winning half forward line. It's hard to really know how to describe them now. Yeah, it's very difficult, and and again, he was hampered during the league as well, um, in terms of availability of players. Obviously, Thomas's ran. You know they ran late into the season, and they've been doing that for the last number of years. And he tended to give them a bit of a break during the league, and there was injuries and 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 whatnot. So, you know, he he kind of mixed and matched throughout the league. wasn't overly perturbed about how far they were going to go in it. He was just trying to get as many players out there as possible and and get a run over them. And you seen like you know maybe younger players like Evan Nyland start to make a make a breakthrough and he was obviously a, a brilliant minor they have problems in terms of trying to figure out who's their actual goalkeeper um and you know and it will be interesting to see you know Shane Cooney is he is he actually good enough to to hold that center back position in championship hurling Gerard McInerney Davy Davy um or Dahi Burke as you said will Davy Burke come back into a bit of form because he probably lost a little bit and he's been yeah. on the road a huge length of time as well maybe the, the the whole lockdown and COVID might have done him the world of good and you know he, he'll be refreshed coming into it same with Joe Canning huge miles on the clock didn't have maybe a great club form but then that's probably lends itself to the expectation he had in terms of trying to hold that Pertum the team and hold them into that senior A um club championship but you know it was just a little bit beyond them at this stage so you know it'll, it'll be interesting we again we don't know what their starting 15 is going to be and look it sounds like we're always agreeing with each other but again Cheddar's 100% right we know exactly what Wexford have they're a very very um, balanced team it's the fourth year under Davy Fitz uh, they were within a puck of a ball to get into an All-Ireland final last year and don't tell me they wouldn't have relished playing Kilkenny in that All-Ireland so they're very very close 12-1 to 1 on the outside for the ball is puck for this championship I don't like usually getting involved in odds but that seemed crazy for this Wexford team um, you know they were Leinster champions last year and deservedly so their system is extremely hard to play against and we know it's not an all-out seven defender but it is a fluid um, attempt at a sweeper and very very difficult their, their whole whole back line is not afraid to get up the field um, you know their keeper's not afraid to get up the field as well and look for point scoring opportunities so um, they're difficult very very difficult to hurl against and they know exactly what they're doing and they're really building and they again um, we've said this numerous times in the show will look for reasons for looking for those extra bits of motivation and when they see them being written off by maybe bookmakers or, or by national media they're going to be hell-bent and trying to go back back to back um leinster um champions and and really make it full tilt to this all Ireland championship yeah probably the hardest one to tip this weekend really cheddar i'll get tips off the two of you i think i'll go for limerick in this one it's probably the easiest one for me to go to i'm joking i'm joking there by the way <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but I think I, I think there's one other thing in, in, in this game that will have a huge bearing on it. Um, you know, Dahi Burke got got injured in in the championship in Galway. Um, I think at the minute. Um, he's probably replaced Joe as being the heartbeat of Galway hurling team. Um, and certainly when I saw him a couple of times in the last couple of years, you know, when he fires up, he's a fair, fair operator. Um, and he definitely drives Galway on. I think a lot of their younger players have shown real potential. But look, that's not proven uh, uh, really at this level. Um, I think, mean, you know, Wexford, you're sort of this year going a little bit with tried and trusted to an extent. Um, you know, management knows their players, they're more settled team. They also have a better panel probably than last year. They have a couple of players brought in, the likes of O'Connor and a few of those that, you know, might create real contests for positions in the team. Um, and I, I just think that, um, you know, they're on a, an upper tra- trajectory. They know they were close last year. And I just think that they will stay on that path um, and, and just beat Galway. It would be a blow to Galway, though, if they were beaten. And I think it's a really tough one to call, but I think just based on what we have said, I think you'd have to give Wexford a call here. I think you're leaning towards Wexford as well, Brian, in a word? Yeah, I think so as well, yeah. Okay, great stuff. We'll finish up here, lads, with... Hang on a second. Are you okay to stay for five more minutes, Brian? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Stay on. Okay, we'll finish up with the the other one, lads, is Cork and Waterford, and this is on Sky on Saturday. Like, I mean, this is kind of a tale, lads, of who's missing. Parik O'Mahony, obviously, for Waterford, was in the news this week. And for Cork, we have Owen Cadigan and Dara Fitzgibbon, her two huge losses in important positions. And Robbie O'Flynn is out, suspended as well. So, like, I mean, I don't know. What do Waterford do to to um, to make up for O'Mahony's loss? Uh, they've been playing Austin Gleeson in the half-back line, uh, Brian. I presume the natural thing is to move him up and, you know, make, make up for it uh, that way. Yeah, and I suppose look, Liam Gall was trying to find the best position for for Austin Gleeson, and he look he, with his club he tends to play midfielder in the half hour line, so I, I I expect him to be further up the field. Park Matney is a big blow. Consistency with freeze, he's he's um just a consistency across the board. I think for Waterford as well, you give him the ball and he will score. So he you know it is a big blow, and obviously Philip Matney had retired, and there's a couple of players that have been left off then as well in terms of. Noel Connors and, and Maura Shanahan so you know Waterford have their, their own issues but one thing Liam Cal did bring was um, he's brought Bremi a no-nonsense approach to it um, and it, it's been quite difficult I suppose this has been well documented at this stage you know they were very structured in their approach under Derek McGrath I know Derek will argue otherwise that he was giving them pure liberation to where, where to go but they, with all intents and purposes they were structured and they, they lent um on on Tyg de Burka being that sweeper and it's been a, a transition for him and the rest of them to going back to maybe 15 on 15 hurling um, and Tyg de Burka is one of the best defenders and hurlers in the country so it'll be interesting to see him playing at centre back or wing back you know how you know well, he's maybe back. Or, yeah he's back and he is playing and playing well as well so like that's um, there was talks that he maybe had hurt his hamstring lately, but you know you'd be hoping that he would be. You know they haven't mentioned, so you'd be hoping he'd be playing this weekend. So I just think last year was probably very hard on Park fan, and he maybe made he was the man that made the big switch back towards a more traditional style of hurling, and it just it, it faltered, and it was always going to falter in that maybe transitional year last year. And Liam Cal then has gone in and, and as I said, brought no nonsense approach. Um, he's tried to up their work rate significantly. Um, in in terms of their their, their tenacity and the tackle, um, and 
he's looking for runners all over the field and, and all that sort of element. So I think we'll see a different side to this Waterford team at the weekend. Whether it'll be enough to take Cork, I don't know, but certainly I, I, I just don't, I, it won't be like heads up and just drive the ball down the field aimlessly. Um, there will be a little bit more to it than that, but in terms of tenacity and, and swarming and looking for, you know, that kind of um, all-in work rate from, from this Waterford team, I think we will definitely see that. Yeah, he's a good record against Cork. Definitely under 21 level um, Cheddar. He beat them twice with Tip with probably a team not as talented. So I'd say he'll be relishing playing Cork this weekend. I'd, I'd say he will. Um, but to be honest with you, minor under 21 doesn't have a huge bearing on senior. It's nice to win, um, but it, it doesn't have a huge bearing on, on senior performance. Um, I'll I, I just take Cork first. And I've commented, you know, about, about, over the years, um, I always loved this, the Cork style of hurling um, that. But I, I just think that the same issues are there for Kieran to solve. Um, and, you know, he certainly tried to do this earlier on in the year. Um, and if I take the backs first, you know, your, your primary job is to be a really good defender. Um, and your secondary job then is to be able to carry ball, distribute ball really, really well. Um, and I think Cork have some of both, but maybe not, don't have enough defenders that are able to do both. And, of course, the way they play in the forward line is, is you know, they, they do need again and going back to what I said about Dublin they do need that quality ball going into them um, so I, I think you know I, I think even playing the likes of Callan out in the half back line um, you know is he going to actually get the ball um, you know create the one twos create the space for himself with the heads up to be able to ping the pass to players inside to, that, that part Hargan and that might need um, you know I, I, I'm not so sure I think they have work to do here and I think Kieran is trying to sort that out but the other side the other side of the field is actually more important to them they have a serious amount of talent available to them in terms of of um, you know real quality scorers and all of that, and yet they're, they're they have a huge reliance on Pat Horgan. I think they've got to get a better spread of scorers, but therein lies the real rub of the problem here for Cork because they have a lot of those type of players. But are those type of players then really good tacklers to be able to win the ball back? And that's the real problem for Cork to try and get right here. Um, I, I think Waterford. Um, and I agree with Brian, you know, Parig was, was, had a, a dreadful job last year in, try, in terms of trying to change the style and train, you know, change players' behaviours and beliefs and all of those things. I think that has happened now. Um, so we're you know, in a better position to be able to make that happen. But, you know, I think I think uh, Manny is a big loss for them. Uh, you can get the taker. I know you can have them there already. Um, but, you know, you're, you're, you're hoping that the likes of maybe Desi Hutchins and some of the players coming in, you know, hit a great club campaign. But look, we all know that it's great, it's great to see club, but there's a huge difference in county and club. Um, so I, I, I just think that Cork um, are happy that they're, they didn't meet Tip and, and Limerick and they know they can get to a monster final before they're going to meet him. Um, and, you know, I do think that they will have their homework done to, to actually get through in this game. And I think, you know, I think this game might be a bit too far for Waterford. Yeah, it's interesting just to finish up on the Desi Hutchinson point, uh, Brian, is that he didn't have, wasn't overly impressive for Waterford last year. Now, none of them um, were, but like, I mean, when you're playing in a team like Ballygunner, and I know this myself from a football point of view, playing with Port Leash, like, I mean, you're getting a constant supply of ball constant you're the dominating team it's easier to play well than having to live off three four or five possessions in a half and having to make those count and probably someone just as fast as you as well yeah there's, there's no mugs at the inter-county game you know in, in terms of the the tight mark and cornerbacks are almost the fast, fastest men in the field right now and i know desi hutchinson as you said has been 
arguably Ballygunner's best player um, this year, or maybe over the last two seasons. Um, he's the scoring he's he's getting from play. You know, you're talking three, four points and add in a goal here or there as well. Um, he, he's been exceptional, but it is hard to make that step step up um, consistently to the intercounty. Um, you know, scene and look, he is capable of doing it, and it will be a huge plus to Waterford if he puts up three or four points at the weekend. But uh, you know, you're probably looking at some other players to try and step up to the mark. You know, I know Stephen Bennett's going to be maybe hitting the freeze, um, but you, you're looking for maybe a little bit more from play from him. Um, you know, he's he's tended to to hit big scores, but not a huge amount from play. Um, and look, Ozzy Gleason was the best hurler in the country a couple of years ago, under 21 and senior hurler of the year in the one year. Um, but his consistency levels over the last number of years hasn't been anywhere near. And I know he's been hugely frustrated with that himself and he went off during lockdown and it was it was over Instagram where he went and got a personal trainer and he, he's yeah. turned him in turned great himself, shape. Yeah, inside out. But, you know, you just love to see him get back to that level because, he's like a guy you talk about Garrod Hegarty being a, a senior playing or minor playing against under 14s he's like that as well when he's in form and he's capable of maybe doing what Tony Kelly did last week and scoring 7 or 8 points from play so um, that would be a huge plus and that's not trying to put too much pressure on him um, it's just he is actually capable of doing it and is trying to get the actual best out of him to, to do that but he can only do that if he brings a huge tenacity and work rate um, to his game because it just won't happen and to me, I do, I also find with with uh, Austin, I think over the last number of years, whether it was um, under Derek, um, it's hard to tell with Park maybe Lester, but he's been tended to give been given a bit of a free role. I'd rather put him maybe wing forward and just tell him to go out and hurl wing forward and be the best wing forward he can possibly be, um, because I, I I've tended to find it, you know, when the free role works, it's it's excellent and it can be very very hard to counteract. But when it doesn't work, you can almost it can almost eat away or chip away at your confidence even even more because you you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, and it can be a little bit harder actually, and it can actually have a negative effect. Right. Okay. Who are you going for in this one, Brian? I'm probably going to go with Cork, and again on the basis that they have a more settled team. That's maybe why I've gone gone with Wexford as well. They just they just have that little bit more settled team. Um, Kieran Kingston doesn't have to change a huge amount. He, he does have issues at the back. Don't get me wrong. And Darrell Fitzgibbon and Owen Cadigan are big losses, but he doesn't have as much to change around. Whereas Waterford have very very unsettled team last year, throughout the league this year as well. So yeah, I go with Cork. What about you, Cheddar? Um, yeah, I, I think just take Waterford um, maybe first and going back to Brian's point um, about um, Ozzy. I, I think, look, sometimes with an exceptional player, um, the rest of the team has got to accept that he's a special player. Um, and, you know, so I suppose the question you're asking is how, what can we best, how can we get our best team on the field playing to the best of our ability? And sometimes, you know, you know, I've heard that said a number of times over the last couple of years, you know, find a position for Ozzy, leave him there and let him play there. But is that what's best for Waterford? Because clearly in the last couple of years, he has been at best in maybe a freer role. And, you know, and I'm not so sure that, 
you know, you know, this is going to be difficult now to go into Watford and have a real strength of character to make a role like this. Is Ozzy best playing at six with maybe a defensive midfielder in front of him that can actually slip in and giving him a little bit of a license to go forward more than having to mark somebody? Um, you know, clearly he's demonstrated in the past that he's an exceptional player. Now you would have to get the whole team to buy into that because you know, you're giving a small little bit of a license to a player, and if the whole team bought into that, that might be the best way to go, and, and that'll be interesting. Um, you know, in terms of what Liam has got to do here, I think. What Waterford fans might like to see is a little bit of stability in the team and in the way the team plays um, and with, you know, a certain performance at the weekend that suggests that we have stability to be able to move forward here. And even if they didn't, if they lost the game, I think Waterford supporters would be, would be satisfied with that. Of course, you're going to go for the win. They're good enough to go for the win. Um, and they're certainly, you know, it, it, over the last couple of years, they don't fear a car. You know, they actually love playing them and love playing them in turf. Um, but I, I think that's going to be interesting to see to see you know how Liam sets up Waterford, and that's going to be that's probably going to be clearest to be seen with how he sets up as he as he plays and where he fits into the game plan and that. But I go back to Cork, um, you know Cork. Obviously, regret uh, a couple of years in Croke Park, twenty thirteen, and then a semi final. You know when they clearly had the game won and and just lost it, maybe through you know lack of subs to come off the bench to win it. Um, so they're they're been very very close there, but you know. Sometimes they're relying on Pat Horgan. Why did he score against the Kenyan and not Ireland three ten or three twelve or something like that? Not Ireland quarter final yeah. last year. They need that. It needs to be better. There's still a lot of work to do, but they've incredible talent coming through. And I think if they were to win all Ireland, it'll it'll get even better for them. Uh, you know, they've a Connell from Middleton and a couple of other young players coming on there that really suit the way Cork play. And I think they, you know there could be a serious t- team in the next couple of years. But winning one is going to be a, a, a serious challenge for them. Yeah. Do you fancy them to beat Waterford? Uh, I do. I, I, I think they will. Yeah, I, th- I think they'll get their their mix of their team right. Um, but I'm not so sure that the winning of the Watford game, that that same team then will be good enough to beat the likes of Tip and Limerick and and to Kenny. Um, I, I think they'll have to change it around. They'll have to find a couple more players. How they have them? I mean, you, you, their forward line could be solved by one type of player, a Bonner Maher type of player that can make things happen for really, really classy inside forwards. Um, I like to have. You know, they've definitely found the likes of Alan Connolly in the county final again with the Rockies. It was good. You know, Brian Turnbull showed some. Some, some serious uh, potential a couple of years ago at under eighth level had a number of serious injuries and is now back um, you know so they have serious serious talent here it's just getting the deck chairs right in the team getting the right game plan going that really suits their type of player um, and maybe getting one or two players to be game breaking players in their team and if they do they're, they're, they're a serious team Okay brilliant stuff lads we've gone over time there we're definitely over the hour um, what a weekend of hurling to look forward to um, you've, you've set it up there brilliantly Um We'll leave it there and we'll be back on Monday. We'll review the four games and we'll talk to everybody then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.